Talking rugby, <laughs> telling stories, rugby pick'em. Welcome to Rugby Pick'em. Who cares? Who knows? Why bother? That's right, folks. 2020 mashup. We're doing a best of show, clipping it all together for you. We'll start with what was probably one of the most fun recording sessions I've ever had. Kim Jordan was in studio, rugby royalty. We all talked about the MLR preview, joked around about team mascots, team hashtags, and ended up diving in with Kim about her rugby playing career. Kimberly Jordan in studio to break down the 2020 MLR season. We can't wait. We're very excited. Year three, we're hungry. It's going to be a good one. (laughs) Let's pay some homage to the original team in the East. There's only one team that was in the original year, and it was New Orleans Gold. They they did a lot of retooling, John. Um, But we're not going to go through the players. We're going to be talking about the players all season. We want to talk about the coach, maybe a little front office stuff. And most importantly, John, the hashtags. What has the social media team been doing in the offseason? With their interns? Yeah. With their their dozens of interns throughout the entire league? Exactly. What is the unpaid intern tweeting about on behalf of the team? So for New Orleans Gold, we got Nate Osborne, Ozzy, coming into his third year. It's kind of a put-up-or-shut-up year for them. Uh, they improved on the initial year where they took, uh, I think it was six out of seven place. Last year they made a run but missed the playoffs. Year three is big. Ryan Fitzgerald is the GM. Tommy, if they had a mascot, should it be uh, a gold nugget? What theme are we talking about? The NOLA gold. <laughs> okay. The NOLA Oh, yeah, the NOLA gold. We're talking about the teams. Uh, this a- The NOLA gold is in the East? They are. They are. So, okay. They are the most western eastern That's team. That's the very far west east. <laughs> Not really, team. but I mean, it's well, I mean, talking about it's when you're talking the, about the, they're technically the Mississippi. You're man. talking yeah, about on the Mississippi. A lot of different factors. Yeah. Well, we're talking about the Mississippi. Then yes. What about a harp? Okay. Well, I'm thinking about a harp. Nola. Golden harp. Golden Harp, yeah, I think that's it, John. And they're sponsored by Harp, and you, then they could go to Harp and like get sponsored. Get boom, worse. it's gold. Um, Don, you're welcome. I like it. Hashtags yeah. they've been throwing out. Uh, hashtag Go Gold with the French spelling. You can't G-A-A-X get worse than the Pelicans. X Gold and hashtag Gold Rain. So Golden Rain, Golden Rain. <laughs> And last Are time I checked, John, <laughs> golden rain. They golden still rain. that is not to be confused with the golden shower. Nope, not recommended. Don't do that. <laughs> golden good? rain. What are you doing? Golden rain. So, John, the Nola Gold uh, resetting. I looked at a couple stats. They have no Kiwis on the team this year. They let Taylor Howden walk. One of our guys, a rugby pick'em guy. And guess what, John? He's still on their Twitter banner. Ooh. Taylor Howden, one of the rugby pick'em favorites, one of the all-time greats. Uh, now with the Houston Sabercats, we'll get there, but there you go. Hashtag gold rain. Hashtag stay golden. The harps. I like the golden harps. Yeah, we'll, we'll go the with the harps as a mascot. Get worse than the Pelicans. No. Next team, Rugby United New York. Made the playoffs in their 
And uh, we're going to get right into the uh, Austin Elite. Whoa, Tommy. Scratch the record. <laughs> we have a name change. Pew, pew, pew. Austin Elite. Mixtrap.com. You heard? <laughs> the Austin Elite are now the Austin Herd. Check that. To think there'd be another name change a week before the season was crazy. And yet here we are with the Austin Gilgronies, purchased by an Australian group led by Adam Gilchrist. It's a funky name, and their branding is strange, but they're sticking to the Texas roots, move the stadium to a raceway. They're promising crazy things like a human fireball at the games. Uh, but credit to the ownership, they say they're going to sponsor all the youth rugby dues in Austin, as well as busing people to their games from club rugby hotspots. You know, at first, Gilgronies sound ridiculous, but I think we're Gilgrony guys. Now back to us talking about the Austin Herd. I mean, the one question we all want to know is what did Austin hear? Okay. We're done with the bad puns, Johnny. Terrible. No, we're not. <laughs> done. Um, tough season last year for Austin. Let's not sugarcoat it. They went over. We covered it here on Rugby Pick'em. 0-16 is never easy. Um, coaches were let go. Some players were moved on from. Um, but they are back this year in year three under the coach Britt Simmons. Britt Kiwi. Britt. 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 It's actually Britt. 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 <laughs> There were rumors that this team was going to move to Columbus. There were rumors that new ownership was coming in and may still be coming in. Uh, either way, they completely recycled their team. Uh, Tommy, now that we're the herd, what's the mascot going to be? I think they have like a, a longhorn. They got to have yeah. a lot of mascots. Yeah. I mean, you can't have one mascot. <laughs> yeah, you have to have there. twenty at least. Yeah, at least. <laughs> what's the scientific? Def- I'm going to look it up right now, and I'll, you can you can keep going, but I'm going to look up how many it needs for. They got a couple uh, names on their squad, but it's really going to take a village. Speaking of the herd, it's names going to take a village. Name. So I mean. You look at their name. Sebastian Calm did pretty well as oh, a Chilean. Chilean, yeah, oh, see that. Bass, eh? Chilean number eight. Yeah, and they have a couple other uh, well, uh, carryovers from last season. But I'm not seeing a lot coming out of that lineup that's going to really change their calculus here. Roland Suniula, damn dude, he's still around. Love well, to see it. Johnny, and well, his we brother really Andrew Sunila is on the coaching staff, along with Todd Clever, director of rugby. Um, so we'll see what the, we'll see if they cook up. Could be a surprise. It would be a big surprise. Johnny, I was just trying to jump in and say that Seabass uh, Calm, he was actually one of the original NOLA guys, and he had a pretty serious neck injury. So it's good to see him back yeah. after a full year off, I mean, which is what a neck injury usually needs. Uh, it's good to see him back in a squad. Good to see him back in an ML- MLR roster. And I just realized he is quite literally a Chilean sea bass. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> On to Utah. Well, let's not forget their hashtag. It's pretty simple. Hashtag join the herd. So, join the herd? Choose to join so, like, the herd. become a, uh, one of the sheep? I, yeah. be- I believe. Well, I think we're sticking with cattle here. And, you know, There's multiple different types of herd, but I think uh, due to the logo, we know that it's a, a longhorn cattle. You know. Here's kind of like an out-of-left-field idea for like a mascot slash 
hashtag. If for like all the Parks and Recs fans, you could do a little you heard with purred. And then you could have purred happily. Purred. I love purred happily. And I know. The, <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, I'm it's fellow John Ralphio fans, yeah. Tommy. I I'm feel like you'd get me. All right, back to the rest. John, one last question. Can Todd Clever produce wins as the GM? As, I, I mean, we all. He's a uh, very important rugby personality. And, he, and I think he can produce inspiration. I don't know his, his management style or like how, how much like he he's able to manage the organization. Like it just we just don't know. We don't that. know what his day to day is. Yeah, we don't know the ops side, but we do know passion wise. Like he can inspire a group and he can be a talisman in certain ways that uh, draws in other attention from local quote unquote celebrity USA folk USA rugby folks who are looking to invest and things like that. He, um. We'll see about the ops side. Yeah. He's a great player, and he's represented the players on the Congress or the board of USA yep. Rugby. He's, he's yep. done all the things you want as an ex-player uh, carrying the torch for player and player rights going forward as this thing professionalizes and gets wheels. Next team in Texas, Houston Sabercats. I'm, I'm ready to say it. Our Houston Sabercats. Who's, That's right. Who's Rugby Pickham is fan of the Houston Sabercats. We have no choice. Taylor Howden signed with the club. One of our favorite guests. Is he speaking for all of us? Uh, Johnny, I'm not speaking for you. I'm speaking for me. Okay. I love the cats. Paul Emmerich is a dear friend of ours, dear friend of the program. How many more things do I have to say? Zach Pangelinen, first guest on yeah, Rugby Pickham, coming back in his third year. Okay, so we hey, like KJ, them. don't you like don't you like a new cat? Yes. So Kylie <laughs> is one of my good friends that also Full plays name? Steamboat. Kyle Bradenbach. He's right. also so he's a new player for the Houston Sabercats. So Woo-hoo. really excited to see him play. Lock, super dynamic, awesome human. Well, yeah, Lock. He's South African. Mm-hmm. Beauty, love yeah. the Safas coming into the mix. Uh, yeah, um, honestly, Houston. You know, you don't have to convince me. They got a really dynamic backline when you have the likes of Sam Windsor, fly half, who played amazingly last season. Uh, tails, not so fat tails, um, playing as well as skinny tails. Tim Stanfield, honestly, I love the guys who later in life are just common into their own. Like he still is crushing it in sevens, and he he can uh, he can do work. He can finish. Colin Asau, Zach Pendulinen, they've got they've got a handful of, of of studs in the back line. It's a matter of can their big boys do the work up front, and I think they've got. They've got some opportunities. They just need to find the right people for the right spots. Tommy, we uh, <clears throat> we've been updating our rosters, but they just re- we've been updating our rosters, Tommy. But Houston just signed in Adrian Busin from Namibia, six four two forty, no big deal. And uh, his first name has Adrian with a double A, and his last name is Busin with the double O. So the dude, man likes his vowels. Dude, he. Likes- he- the vowels. The Namibians are like South Africans who have way less to lose. So, like, <laughs> I, I vote. Yes. I vote We're all on for Houston. They're at their new Aviva Stadium. Let's get into their hashtags, You're going to be there in a couple of weeks. Well, okay. I, I joke with the hashtag, but this is easily the best one. And I hope that whoever is running the social media account is kind of laughing at themselves here because we all remember last year when Aviva <laughs> – 
launched the new stadium, the turf wasn't exactly set. And let's just say they completely tore up the grass and it was kind of embarrassing. They had to cancel home games. (laughs) Their hashtag for the 2020 season is quite literally hashtag tear it up. Um, so you know what cats keep tearing it up if that means your stadium your grass the mlr keep tearing it up we don't care we're cats fans uh we'll ride and die with taylor Hatton and paul emmerich zach pangeline until the end of time paul healy's the new coach in aussie so we'll see how that goes saber cats ho saber cats (laughs) Oh, <laughs> you're gonna be there for opening week. Oh yeah, and uh, we'll get to our Boots relationship the with the Colorado Raptors. But mm-hmm. I will be there for the opener in Aviva. Boots on the ground. The red mic will be there. You can guarantee it. Uh, yeah, Colorado Raptors at SaberCats February eighth. Aviva, Ciao. coming at you. Utah Warriors, John. This was actually a founding member mm-hmm. and playoffs first year. A lot of people remember. Uh, but they made the semis. I think they're pack strong. Matthew Jensen was one of the most unsung heroes. Like he, he was an absolute stud out of BYU. Straight into he's still in his uh, wheelhouse. You know, eighty minute man. And uh, they got Angus McClellan at prop. They've got some studs up front who are just gonna make you. John Cullen. We'll see what he's got left. So I've had a unique relationship with this group because I've got to play against the core Utah guys in their offseason. They play for Park City. And the Denver Barbos play against Park City. And yeah. Yeah, last fall we went up there. We uh, we saw that it was <laughs> three, four, five Utah Warriors. Don Patti, Lance Williams, uh, Gus McClellan, like you said, they were all there suited up. And I, I love it. You know, I love when MLR guys play down in club because it makes club better. Yep. And... I quite frankly love going against the best. And I welcome it. We had them tied around 20 to 20 at halftime, and I think we lost like 64 to 30. Um, but those, those Park City guys like to run downhill in the second half. But Utah Warriors, man, they got a new coach, Chris Latham. He's an Aussie, capped Wallaby. You ready for their hashtag, Tommy? Yeah. It's simple. Hashtag reloaded. Reloaded. I like it because they – they lost a lot of close games last year, you know. Mm-hmm. You got to Re- reload that gun and fire again. Reloaded. That's terrible. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Johnny uh, doesn't like the hashtag. It's terrible. Reloaded. Know. What does it mean? What New coach. Is it like the Matrix? What am I supposed to think? Well, I immediately thought about what I just talked about. I, but you know, oh, you reloaded your brain, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a refresh no, server. Un- unfortunately, well, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> Talk about speaking of Tina, how, how did you meet Tina? What was the first time you met Tina? Shout out, team, Tina, yes. Um, so I went on a little rugby hiatus right after college and then playing with the babes. So I can't remember, I was probably out of the game, out of the scene for like four years or something, five years. Um, and then I saw that it was the Aspen Rugger Fest 50th, 50th anniversary. Um, so I was just like, okay, I, I gotta just play. I gotta get like a touch on the ball at this tournament. And that's actually how I started practicing with the Marauders because they were nearby and I was like, hey, can I just get in some drills with you guys so I could like remember how to do this? Um, and then stuck around and they couldn't get rid of me. But Tina, I actually met there. Um, I just kind of reached out to, to random teams and was like, hey, I'll pretty much play any position. You're probably going to want me more as a forward. Um, 
but happy to be on the bench, just just would love to play and be associated with the team. So um, it's actually like a Tina, uh, a touring side that Tina had. Um, didn't know anyone that played on there before, um, but we just kind of bonded right off the bat, like her and then um, my, my good friend Toshdale from Steamboat. Toshi. Toshi. Oh, Tepico Tosh. Yeah. Uh, and Tosh and I actually had a really good play at that tournament. Um, I don't know. I had no. I had no business calling for the ball, but I think I was like weak side flanker. I was like running off. I was just like, yeah, send it on the wing. And like she actually passed it to me. And we scored off of it. So like we had a little bromance after that. Um, but Tina was kind of coaching us, playing with us. You know, ex Eagle and also just awesome human overall. Um, so we just got to. You know, my friends were out of town that I was staying with in Aspen. So we just kind of got to hanging out um, most of the time that I was there. I'd help with anything that she needed since she's kind of trying to get, you know, kit together and organized and that kind of thing. Um, Don't watch your face around, Tina. That's true. Oh, she's a nibbler. Gotta be. <laughs> God love her. She's a lover <laughs> and toes. a nibbler and yeah. a tackler. Uh, so, yeah, she. I mean, she's had some success with touring sides. So talk about how um, you kind of fold, like folded into some of those touring sides yeah. or how you got involved or what, like – um, there's some interesting um, mountain rugby overlaps and concentric circles. Oh, there's a yeah. specific touring side <laughs> that has a great name mm-hmm. and that the world needs to know about. What is it? I think you're referring to the cougars and kittens. <laughs> Meow. Meow. Um, which is such an awesome crew. So this is like it definitely like Tina had this whole idea. Um, it kind of started from like the Cougars, which were like used to be at COU, gosh, Co- Colorado Old Girls, some kind of division from there. Sorry, yeah. That we start that she started everything from. Um, Tommy just had an acronym moment. Like, yeah, I just think, <laughs> I, I just remember seeing many tank tops that say Cougars and kittens. Okay, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. It was in the middle of Kim speaking in a very. <laughs> no, very interrupt short. me. I feel like I'm talking a lot. This Kim. is your podcast. I mean, you're the first female. Female interviewee on the Rugby Pick'em podcast. First guest. First female guest ever. First female guest ever. Excuse me. Breaking the ceilings. We are not recording this in a greenhouse, ladies and gentlemen, so we will be breaking the metaphorical. We are currently breaking the metaphorical glass ceiling. No actual ceiling. It's a metaphorical ceiling because we're not in a greenhouse. There's a real ceiling above us. So continuing on about the Cougars kids. Colorado <laughs> old girls rugby side. Yes, I think thank was you the so much. Cougars, the but then took cougars and kittens and adopted a bunch of um, young girls to go yes, with the old girls. Exactly. From Dem- the mountains. Dems the kittens. <laughs> from the so where where's everybody from? Like from a little bit of a all river? over. So Tina kind of started this all. Um, so a lot of it's going to be your steamboat charging heifers, mm. um, which is kind of my main team that I play with uh during like the summer league which is perfect for me and then also the jackson hole lady moose are a big part of that team um as well as like yeah people from all over the country in like different areas uh you know jackie's up in bozeman beth is um a huge part of the club now and actually organizing everything and she's out in ventura beef beef as you know she's lovely um so yeah they like everyone's kind of working together on this um this initiative, but it's, it's just great. It's kind of bringing a bunch of people together, um, that are just 
gosh, I keep using this phrase, but like just good humans that like people that you want to play together on the pitch that are dynamic as well as like that, you know, that'll have your back off the pitch as well. And just want to have a good time, play some damn good rugby. And have the best kit in the business. Rugby. Best this damn is true. kit in the business. <laughs> yes, Cougars our and shorts are, is are pretty good. Fire. Yes. And I think Beep does have some if people want to purchase the shorts. Where's the um, Beep? Where's the Beep? So, folks, I'm going to take this time to let you know that in 2020, one of our resolutions is to utilize the voicemail line. We want to hear from the fans. We have a caller who has a question for Kim. But first, let me just tell you, we don't ask you to subscribe, rate, or review. We don't pepper you with ads because we can't be bought. John and I can't be bought. We're setting the lines here. I mean, we never we, have, never will. Never have, never will. So call the voicemail line this whole season. Save in your phone right now. 720-259-8825. That's 720-259-8825. Tommy, we're we're making <laughs> your new goal is to make a catchy tune to so that we can emblazon it into oh, everybody's head. Okay. Like okay. cars for kids in New yeah. York. Okay? Seven two oh two five nine episode, I will have it. I will have the tune. Two five. Sorry. Let's hit the voicemails. Hey, this is Joni from San Diego. Big rugby pick'em listener. I got so excited when I heard that you were actually having a female rugby player on your show. And I have a quick question for her. Um, I feel like there's some barriers to entry for a female playing rugby. Why do you think those are uh, there currently? And what can we do to lower them? Pick'em. Great question, Joni. Thank you for that. Um... Barriers to entry, I think if people are interested, but maybe don't necessarily know how to get involved, I think that's where I'm going to take this. Um, You just have to look for local teams to play for. And then honestly, if there's not someone nearby, always, you know, start a club yourself. I think um, a lot of the men's teams, I will say, especially in like Colorado or in general, like touring sides are usually very supportive um, and will help you with like different resources if that's a route that you want to go. Um, but like I kind of mentioned earlier, it's really cool with the, with the women's teams that I think most people are, you know, very inviting that if you're interested in rugby, if you, if you do want to get involved, if you want to play and try it out, if it's not necessarily your thing, but you still want to support the team, um, you know, most teams, everyone needs fans and resources and support and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, there's, there's plenty of different ways, but I always try, like if people are interested, especially depending on their area, I always try and make sure to give them resources that are specific to them and call out like specific people to reach out to. Cause I get, it can be a little bit intimidating, um, especially if you don't necessarily know what you're getting involved in, but I don't know, get some cleats and just get out there and yeah. try it out. Reach out to a club. Yeah. And, uh, see what's good. Yeah. Summon the Googs, look up a local it's, sports. Team. It starts with sports one text. Team. Right. Yeah, exactly. To whoever is posting online as their club representative, like you said, if it's that if it's not available and you're in a rural part of the country, then it's a bit more challenging because you got to start a club and you got to be gritty and build it up from the bottom up. But a lot of room for fields, rural. <laughs> oh, Tommy, you bring up a good point. It's very rural. There's no field issues. Kim Jordan, she's the best. Hopefully, she will be back on the show in 2021. Our next couple of clips come from BT and Tommy. 
getting into the swing of the season. We took some callers, most notably from the Guru, who always seems to be upset. And uh, I don't know, if you ask me, this was kind of a breakout year for Tommy No Picks. Really started to feel his swag on the mic, and I think this was a stepping stone for him becoming an absolute celebrity in the podcasting world in years to come. Of course, he couldn't remember our 10-digit voicemail number, and it saddens me, but we included our final Week 5 MLR pick'em before the season got called. The line's ringing. We got another we got hot one. We got another one. We got a hot one. Put right. him through. Who do we got? Plug him in. Yeah, Guru checking back in. Oh, hey, Guru. The guru uh, is frustrated. The Guru has a problem with a rule and a law in sevens rugby that I need classification on. The offense, let us look just at a scrum down. The offense is a massive advantage. Now, in the defense, attempts honestly attempts to steal a pass and it gets knocked forward and we get an off we get a penalty called when all the man was doing was trying to make a brilliant play but guru hold up i thought we're talking mlr fine fine we'll do seven let him speak he's the guru all right i'll let him speak i'll let him speak go on guru this is a handcuffing defenses and uh my question is is the law does the law state that if you knock it forward it's an automatic penalty or is the interpretation being much too strict by these referees? Uh, I've seen some games turn on a guy trying to make a good play. I'd like some insights. The guru's frustrated. Thank you. Well, guru, appreciate your call. God damn it, guru, hang up your phone. <laughs> we gotta hang up. Well, appreciate the call. We got he, he yeah. snuck two calls in on that show. A, we got a last minute. Tommy, what's the, what's the number just in case they want to call? So, what is the number that uh, ends in tuck? I can never remember the number. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you Why don't you work on that? <laughs> we Call. can't be salt. <laughs> Tommy, what is the name of the show? Rugby Pick'em. Rugby Pick'em. And according to Harpo, we have to know our role. We got to do the picks. He said never, ever skip the picks. So here we go. Week five, we're starting quarter two. Um, and it's starting Friday night at a game where we will be. The Colorado Raptors hosting the undefeated Toronto Arrows. Toronto. And um, I would say Toronto's got to be a favorite, even on the road, undefeated. Unfortunately, I'm going to run into a contradiction here because I said I wouldn't pick against Toronto until they lost, but I'm a diehard Raptor guy, season ticket holder, so I can't pick against my company. That's right. I've just made myself an equity (laughs) equity holder now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mayor Mike. I would say the Raptors are going to be a 10-point dog at home. I think they're going to cover that spread. I picked them on Super Brew to win just for shits and gigs because, quite frankly, I I am like all the other idiots. I'm sub-500. I got no idea what's going on with my picks. You, on the other <laughs> hand, are Tommy 1%. Tommy, not only have you been making your picks, you're in the top 1% right now. Isn't that true? I am. Where do you and rank both- in the U.S.? I am second in the U.S. I am 26th global and second among Rooney fans. Oh, I guess that means the number one guy in the U.S. is a Rooney fan. I guess so. That's our uh, little detective work. There you go. Two heads detective are better than one. A crusoe. So, you're Mr. One Percenter. You've been riding Toronto. I'm assuming you're going to take him here on the road yeah. in Affinity Park. I mean, they're the best team in the East, and the East is 
better than the West, so in my mind, they're the best team in the league right now. There you go. Simple logic. Second game. Nola Gold hosts the New England Free Jacks, the Shrine on Airline. Now, Nola Goldsman spotty, two and two, win, loss, win, loss. Um, but they play hard at home, and quite frankly, Tommy, I haven't seen much out of the Free Jacks since that opening win. Since we've- I cannot, with a sound mind, pick the Free Jacks to win unless I see Bowden Walker back in the lineup. He got mm-hmm. hurt week one. He was their X-Factor week one. I hope he's better because he's electric. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and say not only is NOLA an eight-point favorite at home, I think they're going to cover that spread and win big, and New England's going to be in a whole lot of trouble. Yep. Make me eat my words, Evan Geist. We'll see. I think both teams have been spotty, and it just depends on what which teams decide to show up. So, I, But I picked New Orleans by three. I was going to say that sounded like a Tommy no picks. <laughs> <laughs> He's got NOLA by it's, three. Yeah. It's All right, going to so, be a close one, I think. So you'll take New England with that eight-point line? Absolutely. All right, here we go. Game three. I would say the clash of Texas, but as we noted earlier, it can't be a rivalry if they both stink. The Houston Sabercats are one and three, losing three in a row since they won their home opener. And they will host the once again winless Austin Gilgronies, who oh. are zero, three, and one. BT, I'm really curious to see who you have picked for this game because you said... Listen. The Gilgronis were going to have five wins this season. I, I said they'd get their five wins. Show me the path to five wins. <laughs> it's it's getting a little more narrow. I think they're going to get their five wins, but this is not the week. This is not the week. I will... I basically I picked against the Cats week one, and then I picked them to win every single week. So I'm just missing on Houston every week. I'm going to go ahead and say Houston by 21 at home. They're going to romp the AGs, even with the new signings of Kurt Morath and Will McGee back in the MLR from uh, the London Scottish. Yeah. I think uh, once the RFU slashed uh, the championship funding, Will, Will got on a plane and <laughs> said, all right, I'm done with this, and I'll head to the MLR. But it's good to see Will McGee back in the league. Tommy, who you got? I Austin Gilgronis at the Cats. Remember – you're a one percenter guy now. Okay? <laughs> Bernie would not be happy with I cannot be, yeah, Bernie. Um, but yeah, I picked Austin I to think win straight up. If, the, if they're gonna win this year, it's gotta it's gotta start this week. So what I picked we, them by three. What have we said every week? They're due. It's due. They're, they're due they're for a win. Due. Three three names, zero wins. Come on. All right, you heard it, folks. Tommy one percent ranked twenty six globally. He says it's the Gilgronies week. Uh, let's head over to Starfire Stadium in Seattle where the Rain City Dickfish, that's right, the Seattle Seawolves have capitalized on their first win. They're feeling a bit momentum, a bit of swag. They're hosting the Warriors who are completely unpredictable, hard to read. And when we watched them play last week, just stagnant offense. I mean, Gannon Moore was really the only thing they had going on. The guy's got such a good jump cut. I don't know what it is. By the way, for those that don't know, Gannon used to play flanker, and he played down New Zealand, completely retoned his skills, and now he's a winger, and he's an eagle. Golf clap for Gannon. Not a lot of people can move from the forwards to the backs, and to do so and become an eagle, uh, that's a shout-out. But he was kind of their only thing going against the Raptors last week. I'd say the easy pick here is take Seattle big at home. 
If I was handicapping the game, I would put Seattle as a 12-point favorite, and I think they're actually going to shatter that line as well. I guess Seattle by 17. Yeah, I would agree. I think that Seattle will kind of come out, and they they seem to be hitting their stride. I mean, they only have one win, but last week was... According to Tommy, one win, three losses is your stride. (laughs) (laughs) I think they want a little more stride. They need a little more stride, but um, the only thing I really liked about that Utah match that we watched last week was the kicking at the beginning of the game, and then they kind of went away from that. Oh, yeah, we had uh, Mason Emerson and Hagen Schulte just bouncing that ball back and forth like a ping pong game. It was a back three. all the nets in the stadium were going left, right, left, right. I tell you, the chiropractor work in Denver is going to skyrocket this week after that game. <laughs> but, Tommy, we're both taking the Rain City Dickfish at home for another big win. And shout out to the best fan base in the MLR. They keep selling out every week. We expect nothing less from the folks up there in Seattle. Next game, Battle in the East. We will have boots on the ground at this game. Multiple sources, moles inside not only the Old Glory DC Glory Hole, which is the fan section of Cardinal Stadium, but Rugby ATL insider Harpo, he sent us an email. All aboard! Choo-choo! He's on his way to Charlottesville today, and then he's going to finish out that trip to Washington, D.C., to the nation's capital. Harpo doesn't take planes. He only takes trains. Right up the Atlantic Coastal zip zip train. Oh, the old zip train, yeah. No, he, uh, right on up. he will be there supporting ATL. And we have our two friends, the Glory Holes, who have called in. And uh, baby brother, C. Shea, will be at the game, too. Finally peeling his lazy ass off the couch. He missed the OGDC <laughs> opener. How can you miss history like that, man? I tell you what. But let's get to the actual game, Tommy. Old Glory, since losing their opener, are three wins in a row, two of them on the road. ATL, on the other hand, started out 2-0 and have stalled out now at 2-2. Two and two. I would say at home, you got to say Old Glory's got to be at least a six-point favorite. Yep. I, well, I picked Old Glory by five. Ooh, all right. Think, so we, we agree on that line. It's right around yeah. there. I think Old Glory is kind of like the underdog for being one of the better teams in the league right now. But I think Atlanta is also up there, even though they have two losses in a row. So you are taking Atlanta if it's a six-point spread, but yep. you think Old Glory is going to win this game? Yes, I do. Mm, you know, I have picked against Old Glory every week, and I haven't learned my lesson. Give me Rugby ATL, the Rattlers, <laughs> on the road to not only cover this spread, but win outright. Last game, the one we've been building towards. We've seen online the MLR push the marketing on this thing. We have the two biggest names, the biggest centers, Ma'anonu and Meti Bestero with their arms crossed, just looking all fierce. Tommy, who you got? San Diego hosting the Rooney Roosters. Rooney. I got Rooney. Wow. He's taking Rooney on the road. I would say San Diego is at least a four-point favorite. I'm going to say they win comfortably by 10. That's fair. I mean, both teams are really looking hot right now. So it's so hot right now. So hot. <laughs> the MLR has been waiting for this moment, honestly. 
the two biggest signings playing each other and shout the out, best teams. Shout out to Harpo's boy, uh, Marcus Walsh, who dotted down right at the end of the Rooney-Houston game to get a bonus point. I mean, Houston was down a point. They had to go to the full field, so they're just trying everything. Yeah, I mean, Rooney capitalized. They won a slop game in the wind and the rain down in Houston. They have yet to host a game. So it's going to be one of these situations. Rooney gets another key away win, and they're setting themselves up for a massive second half of the season where they're going to see games in New York um, and potentially get some of that momentum we saw last year with the Toronto Arrows who ran the home table, went 8-0. Um, but the East is super competitive. Rooney's got to get every bonus point they can. Um, and in a way, the West is kind of competitive too because there's only one team that's kind of chalked in at a playoff spot. That's true. Two, so through, two through six is wide open. Fine for that second spot. Wide, wide open. Uh, Tommy, you got, any, uh, you got any general things you want to say to the rugby pick'em crowd? What is the number to call? The voicemail line. 720-259-TUCK. And what is... 8825. There we go. I got it. I got it. I had to study up a little bit, but... Oh, you you had to study to memorize a... 10 digits. 10 digits. 7 or 10. No, 10. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, thanks for calling in. I'm BT here with my co-host, Tommy No Picks. Pick him. Pick him. This was an old interview we recorded in the summer of 2019 before Ben Pinkelman shipped off to the World Cup. And it features Kayvon Williams, Logan Collins, Ben Pinkelman debating what are the best crossover sports for rugby. Okay. All right. Does bas- up there. I'm up there with that. Does a basketball shot translate anyway to rugby? A basketball shot. Like if you're just wet. If you just oh yeah, wet. I think it to transfer over because my <laughs> shot is wet and I throw dimes for line out. So you can, for the last time you can tell the, the hookers who have never shot a basketball before. That's just like that's going everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Southern yeah. Hemisphere players that have never put their arms like over their heads, so they don't know what to do with yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. But just like repeating form, it's like repeating a pass. If yeah. You can master that. You can master a undercut yeah. pass. All right, Kayvon. Basketball is definitely in. We agree. Okay. What's another sport background you think transfers well? Another sport background. I think that we don't get a lot of looks at this, but I think that we should start looking at decathletes. Decathletes? Oh, my God. I was about to say that as a joke. I can't believe you actually said that. I'm not kidding, bro. What a bad pick. Bad answer. Bad answer. I was going to go with track, but this is very specific. No, no. Decathletes. Because track is very... Just one way, I mean, like like a sprinter, it's one way driven. Nothing against people like Carl. Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying this because you were all state decathlete? I actually was. I know you were. That's <laughs> and it wasn't all state. It was all American. All all nation. Uh, quick plug. Yeah, Cole Braggs. <laughs> what else were you getting at, Kayvon? No, I I do think because I you I play football too. I think no. I, uh, <laughs> oh, hang on. I got I got my backup sports coming. <laughs> I just think that they do, uh, they acquire a lot of skills. I mean, as far as like actually understanding the game, that's gonna I'll, that's gonna take time. But as just a well-rounded athlete that can do a lot of different skills, I think that it might transfer over. You basically, if you can do a decathlon, we can teach you rugby, right? If I mean, I mean, so so you, well. so so you have to you have to sprint yeah. that you got to sprint in rugby. You got to be able to jump because you got to do high jump. Um, Hurdles, you, you're throwing, you're throwing, shot, you're shot putting. That's power. Discus, 
javelin. I mean, I mean, if you want to throw pole vault, I really don't know how that converts over to rugby. <laughs> but you're going up in the air. Maybe you're getting lifted in a line out. I don't know. But of course, strong core. Yeah, they sound soft. Yeah, hey, decathletes. Yeah, they might be. Sound um, like they might cry about their shoulder all season. Would they? <laughs> or just the last? The last <laughs> Do you nah. know any other decathletes <laughs> who've actually transferred over? No, but I know some decathletes that are freaking. Some great yeah, athletes. Some what ifs. I don't know. I, I, know some, <laughs> I don't know. Him. You don't even. You haven't ever ran track. I don't need to. He's yeah. a long distance guy. Logan. Yeah. I am long distance. Yeah, you, guy. you're a cross country guy. <laughs> they, those true. guys are not athletes. That's not true. All right, Pink. We right. can agree or disagree on decathlete, but I'm assuming you're going to go with something a little more physical. Yeah. So maybe it's not so much sevens, but for fifteens, I loved wrestlers transferring. Here, here. Yeah, yeah. I wrestling. thought they were the best at managing their body and contact and understanding how to beat their man, whether it was in a ruck or a tackle or breaking a tackle. They just understood the physics of winning that matchup every time. Exactly. Do the single leg, double leg, like shooting. Like they're gonna make their tackle every yeah. time. And, like, get into their feet. Wrist control. I I learned from Pinkelman's tutorial uh, at Barbo's training. Like you can mess around with people's wrists and kind of throw them off balance and yeah. maybe grab onto them in the scrum. And yeah. wrestlers are all about wrist control and that inside hands. They don't have the best hand eye okay, coordination we're gonna, sometimes, we're, we're and they don't have the best pass. That. Like we're <laughs> definitely gonna talk. You're about not that. putting a wrestler at fly half or. <laughs> Yeah, we're probably cool. even on a sevens field, even though they would make all their one-on-one tackles. But 15s, a flanker, yeah. uh, one of uh, those guys, even a wing, who was able to transfer over. That was Dan Payne, the former CEO of USA Rugby. He was, like, I don't know, all-nation. He wrestled in college. He was, like, killing it. And then I don't think he played rugby until he was, like, 26, and he ended up being on the Eagles for a handful of years. And then Paul Emmerich, I think, was a big wrestler too, wasn't yeah, he? There was, he was, there was quite Iowa, a few. Iowa champion. Mark Bachoven, legend. Yeah. He's a wrestler? Uh, he grew up in, like, Iowa, so I saw him. So once the pandemic hit, it came pretty hard to come by content, but rest assured the Rugby Pick'em crew found a way. We decided to review some rugby movies. Today I got Tommy No Picks. Hey, how you doing? Florida Man Dev. What do you say? And in this COVID atmosphere, it's uh, an unfortunate situation. Rugby has been put on pause, but we have been watching our rugby movies. We did our homework. We got some movie reviews for the fans, but not before an update on the state of the rugby union. Right now we have a runoff vote for chairman of World Rugby. We have the incumbent Bill Beaumont, an old sleepy Brit running with Bernard Laporte, a Frenchman. They're considered the power block of Europe. They are the status quo. They have they are what we've been doing. And Gus Pichot, the scrappy underdog who had been the vice chair, is now running for the chair. It's electrifying stuff because there's no rugby to watch and everybody's... Uh, Seeing who's going to run the entire uh, world rugby for the next four years. Tommy, I personally want the scrappy underdog who's fighting for tier two countries in Gus P's show. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Stay tuned to that vote. Yeah, hmm. you got you to gotta lobby in the swing states. Yeah, oh yeah. The, the tier two nations are the swing states right now because Europe's going with uh, Beaumont. The southern hemisphere is going with their guy Gus P's show and Tommy. It was just confirmed Argentina will withdraw their bid for the 2027 World Cup, which pretty much makes Australia um, not a sure thing, but they're running pretty much unopposed. 
that would be an awesome World Cup. Um, if there's still any water down there at that point in 2027, I'd be happy to go with it. Yeah. It'd be a good game. What do you say, Florida man? Yeah. Yeah. Florida and Australia are a lot alike. And how's that? I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> but, Devin, we do have one last unfortunate uh, piece of news. Our Colorado Raptors. The Colorado well, Raptors. Our Colorado Raptors. Yeah. We were season ticket holders, and therefore we, we were, I guess, minority stakeholders, you could say. <laughs> Not like uh, Mayor Mike. Oh, no, Mayor Mike made it very clear that he has no No ownership. Um, But, yeah, it's news. It's not news anymore. They are withdrawing from the MLR. They quoted the direction it was going with opening that accessibility Mm -hmm. to international players each year. That number got bumped up from 5 to 7 to 10. We don't know what's going to happen, but we certainly want games here in Infinity Park. Uh, Rugby Pick'em loves the MLR. It's built into our logo. But we will continue to cover rugby every end of the globe, including rugby, fiction, and fantasy, which is why we're here today. We are going to (laughs) review three rugby movies that we watched, which were amazingly horrible at times, amazingly entertaining, shock value. Touching. Touching. Tommy, our opening one was called Prep School. Prep School. And I'm going to go ahead and, and we'll rate each. Uh, we decided to break it down to three categories for each movie. We're going to have our production quality. Uh, we're going to have our rugby realism and how well they filmed the actual playing of rugby and, and incorporated the rugby culture. And then we're just going to have the plot, the uh, the shock value of the plot. Was it entertaining? Was it a good movie? Uh, the first one we're going to rate uh, out of five rucks for each category. So prep school. I'm going to say right now, for production quality, prep school gets one out of five rucks. <laughs> this thing was shot in 20 days in Treasure Island, and it showed. I uh, mean, it may have cost under $1,000. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah, I think it was like a small grant from a, a local arts like scholarship that went towards Oof. making this movie. Um, really, really low production quality. Get some acting coaches in there. <sighs> I mean, they didn't have a lot to deal with, Tommy. They had to hire who they could hire, but to, to slam a whole movie in in 20 days, uh, credit to the director. Yeah. He did his thing, or she. Yeah. Um, and it was filmed in Treasure Island on what is now, sadly, the old uh, Ray Sheeran Field where San Francisco Golden Gate has played and hosted many matches. I've been told and have read that it's being uh, turned into something else, which is a huge shame. So they're mm. gonna, that's another club out looking for a facility in an expensive city. Uh, if Harpo was here, he'd say Club Rugby's dead. But uh, he, would also, <laughs> he would also say that prep school's rugby realism score... Tommy, oh my gosh. One out of five rucks. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. I mean, I remember one scene... Uh, where they were kicking for posts, and it was—it seemed like the the he kicked the ball and it was going straight to the middle of the field, and it made it. They panned the camera over and make it a ninety degree curve somehow and goes right down the middle. It was—it it made me laugh out loud in the middle of the movie. It was insane. Yeah, they had one scene with like this <laughs> pretty cringeworthy, corny <laughs> knock on. Yeah, yeah, one or two hits, and then they stayed yeah. far away from the rugby pitch. No. But, guys, they did have a lot of, like, rugby culture in there. Some negative aspects of it, too. Uh, we For saw sure. Big Tony, the team leader, oh, 
Once yeah. he realized Toxic. that. Once Toxic. He re- <laughs> Dude, I, Tony realized Mark wasn't coming back, and he flipped a bitch on him. I mean, he goes up to his room. He's fucking banging on the door. Yeah, a lot of that social pressure that we see sometimes in, in clubs comes out. Like, what? Yeah. You're leaving the club? Yeah. How dare sure. you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, real life scenarios. Absolutely. For those kids at that age. But the plot, Devin. This comes to you. The plot um, of prep school. For the plot, man, we got to go four out of five rucks. <laughs> I mean, this storyline was all over the place. We had We had four or five pretty solid... Kind of storyline backstories going on with a, with a couple twists. In sure, there too. Sure, um, and I mean, I mean, let's start off with the coach. I mean, how bad is that accent? Guys? Oh gosh, a truly Terrible. horrific Australian <laughs> accent. He's some cut rate, cut rate Hollywood guy who like claims to have a you know. Oh yeah, I can, and this, I mean, I can this get goes, you whatever you need. This it, goes back to the production you value, there, right? Like you can only pay somebody. You can't even pay a real Australian to. <laughs> Right, yeah, they, exactly. They to be the they, you can't get them there on tw- for a twenty day. The plot was trip. good, man. It, it basically was like yeah. girl scorns guy, team decides to back up guy who's been scorned, takes it way too far, and by I mean team one, yeah, like, one guy, one snarky British. And when you drink. say way too far, yeah. you mean way too far. Oh, Caleb, man. Yeah, so let's go into some of the characters. Caleb Caleb was the most conniving son of a bitch you've ever met. (laughs) And he he did it with a smile on his face. He didn't tell any of his buddies what he was going to do. I mean, requisite spoiler warning, guys. I think we should have said that before. Caleb ruined Kayla's life. Oh, yeah. yeah. No no doubt. Absolutely. (laughs) He fucked with her cycle. Like... (laughs) He really, really went to some devious levels <laughs> because this girl, you know, broke his buddy's heart. Like, oh, oh. It got crazy in prep school. Um, I forgot it was a rugby movie. Uh, yeah. So collectively, movie, heavy air quotes. Collectively, out of 15 stars, we are going six out of 15 rucks. Cut that. Scratch stars from the record. We had uh, <laughs> yeah. six out of fifteen. Six out of fifteen rucks. Yeah, it wasn't pretty, but man, that plot, that screenwriter nailed it. Ugh. But what was the motivation behind making that movie? Like, what was the creative, artistic motivation? I somebody was messed up. I I think it's like the the message was you can have your bros back way too hard. <laughs> I'm just I'm just. Sad yeah, that Tom didn't get his scholarship. Oh, poor oh, Tom. His, uh, internship. He'd, he'd been living yeah. his whole Tried life to stand from the up sidelines. What he, yeah. yeah, what yeah. he thought was right, and and it bit him. Ended up watching from the sidelines at the in the last scene of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Tony is a big time bully. Don't be a Tony if you watch prep school. Yeah. Guys, on to our next movie. Which, quite frankly, I don't know why it took us twelve years to watch it. Made in two thousand eight. Forever strong. Which apparently is based on a true events. True events. A high school in the Salt Lake area, Highland Rugby. Um, they must have a great history because they made this. I'll take the rugby realism score right now, and I will say it's gonna get three out of five dummies, and that's only because they're the rugby. Three? The rugby production on the field was great. We had like five games. Where they're tackling people, making plays, making kicks. We actually saw like rugby plot play out, right? Team goes sure, up by two sure. scores. But 
Tommy. They were traveling around the country like a well-funded team doing a 64-team tournament. Oh, my God. This is not how high school rugby works. You're I saying think... it could have been four stars but let's, if it wasn't let, so unrealistic. Let's think. I, mean, I saw a spin pass in that movie. Okay. Right. I saw a real spin pass. There was at least movie. 30 minutes of of rugby played. Like, All right. I'm bumping played. it up. Four out of five rugby realism. You sold me. Um, because... The coach did kind of pull from those all-black values. No one's bigger than the team. You know, we saw a lot of that. Put yourself or put the team yeah, before yourself, yeah, which is yeah. true to rugby code. Yeah, um, everybody sweeps the shed, you know. Tommy, on the whole, the production quality of the movie itself. I mean, we had some fucking stars. List them. Oh yeah, I mean, Sean Astin was, uh, you know, Samwise Gamgee, Rudy. No side story. Um, an old coach used to tell me. Rudy was a movie about a kid who sucked. <laughs> I always got a kick out of that. Rugby Pick'em Bio. Adam Drury. They're kind of across the board. I feel like that's the big difference in U.S. rugby versus uh, other rugby countries is that just the general skill level tends to be a little bit stronger for everybody. And it's better when you get to the higher levels. But, um, yeah. So you pop your cherry in college. Mm-hmm. But you then make what we consider the hardest jump in rugby, college to a men's club. Start playing with the Greenville Griffins. Yeah, and they kind of overlapped. I played for Furman and for the Griffins at the kind of throughout college, um, and it was it was fantastic. It was nice to have that um, that other side of it, not just the, the college side, but the, the men's club side as well, and gives you a little bit different view into things instead of just the young college kids that don't know what the hell they're doing. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and of course, you get guys that put you on scholarship once in a while too, which is yeah. always nice. Yeah, I mean, like I think younger people just like hang out with older people because you know, there's a cool factor. So mm-hmm. if you're a 21, 22 year old guy, and all of a sudden you have access to this men's club, you're like, okay, yeah, start to feel yourself a little bit. You definitely get put back in your place. Oh yeah, very quickly. Yeah, it's a quick education out at the bars and on the field. Yeah, no, it was it was fantastic. Um, and that team at Furman has grown quite a bit. John Roberts has continued to, to push that, and they've won championships now, and they have a really nice stadium and a lot of support from the school. So he has built that up, uh, and that's been his, his brainchild. Any big names in the Griffins? Big names. Yeah, yeah. any Eagles coming out of? I think there was a Polish guy with a really long name. Yeah. Uh, but no, not as far as I know, no, uh, no well-known rugby players. What did you take from there? Kind of as your as your first stop, would you? When you moved on, what did you walk away with? Uh, a definite passion for the game. I, I knew I, that's was sort of driving my my future, at least in the short term. Um, I initially was going to be a wildlife photographer, and I spent a couple summers working with wildlife photographers uh, during undergrad. And at the end of it, they offered me a job. And at that point, I'd found rugby, and so I kind of decided that. Uh, if I was going to try something that was going to ruin my body, younger age would be a better way, time to do it and, and consider photography in the future. So after that, you take a, a bold leap and you head across the ocean and yeah. across the equator. Indeed. Where do you go? We Where went, do you go to craft your game? <laughs> it's it's a, a never-ending craft, if you will. But uh, I went to New Zealand. There was a guy on the, the Greenville Griffins, great dude, Mark Mackey, 
he was a Kiwi and he was over working and, and had found that club to play with. And he was going back to New Zealand to move back. And just before he left the bar one night, he said, hey, you ought to come and play a season. I'll, I'll have another go. It's like, don't tempt me because <laughs> I'll do it. And uh, sure enough, I showed up on his door. So I uh, went and, and lived with him for a while and met some fantastic people and uh, got introduced to real rugby. And that was just incredible. I, you know, I have specific memories from that first season. I was playing with the uh, the senior ones, so one level down from the Prems. And you know, I remember games where you get rucked all the hell on your back back when you could do that. Yeah. And, the, and you're holding the ball in the right place, and there's a certain feeling of like, yeah, I'm doing it right. <laughs> and then, you know, learn not to get in the way of the, the nine passing to the ten. Remember that happened once, and I sort of ducked as he was throwing it, and the ball grazed my cheek. Yeah, and I was like, like never, never mate, again. Never, <laughs> never, never again. Never block my back to a ball again or <laughs> fucking skin you. Yeah. <laughs> and so you just you, you learn those lessons, and it's uh, so much more fast-paced, um, just higher skill level. Uh, everyone grows up with rugby there, and so they're at such a higher level already. And then, of course, you got the – the the bigger boys down there, the Islanders that are, they'll tear you in half, and if you're not careful, they have just incredible strength yeah. and, and skills on top of it. Well, I feel like what you mentioned, that's how so many rugby connections start. Somebody will incept you with an idea, like, oh, you know, you should really come out, mm-hmm. and you think to yourself, like, what's stopping me? Yeah. Get on a plane, man, just do it. Yeah. Any young players out there who are thinking <laughs> about it, just go. Yeah. Figure it out later. Oh, it's absolutely shaped my, my life, no question. Um, and that's that's one of the things I should say I really took away from um, my undergrad and, and Greenville Griffin um, years, just learning about rugby is that it's such a great family and it's such a good community where you, you just meet great people and um, fun-loving people that'll that'll help you and they like to um, hang out and have a pint and they're very just honest, down-to-earth people yeah. most of the time. Well, it helps when you're six four, two forty. Perfect lock size. Well, still, still a babe in the woods, you know. <laughs> still, any rugby community is going to take in the guy with your frame. But even if I wasn't, that's one of the things I love about rugby as well. Any size person, there's a spot for you, you know. And even if you suck, if you're a decent dude, they'll still help you out. Yeah, I'm body shaming you by giving you compliments. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that's okay. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure how to feel about that. Conf- I'll cut it. Confused. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. So you're down there in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. You got any chances to sneak away for some good test matches? Uh, got to see the All Blacks. Watch the Blues play a lot in Auckland, and then I got to see the All Blacks play Italy, and I believe it was Hamilton. Um, and the 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 players there, they go out to the bars afterwards. It's not a um, bouncers and VIP section sort of thing. They're just out mixing it up, and you can see the Italian locks. They're like six nine or something ridiculous, and so you can see them from a mile away. One of the guys on our team that had gone down with us, um, Christian Cullen, scored, I think, three tries that day or something. And uh, Bevan went in and, and uh, was taking a piss, and Christian Cullen was next to him in the pisser. It's like, oh, Christian, good game today. Yeah. It's like, oh, I had a few runs, eh? <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> out just there, they're regular yeah. people. They're just yeah. like, you know, no paparazzi, no nothing. Yeah, a lot less ego, yeah. I think, in, in the rugby the world overall. Way. Yeah. So this was the first year of the MLR draft, and we decided to call our good friend Cole Zarconi, who we know is going to have an amazing MLR career. All right, we welcome on our good friend, Cole Zarconi. Cole, thanks for calling in to Rugby Pick'em. You had a hell of a year, and even better summer with the Denver Barbarians, but a hell of a year. 
at Central. <laughs> Senior year, unfortunately cut short. What was your favorite memory of that year? Oh man, luckily, yeah, like you said, it was just such a such a good year. Um, probably the the best moment has to be beating BYU. Uh, I think we won 51-17 or something around those lines. Uh, and it's just so sweet because my whole four years we played them. I think I played them six times, and we were 0 and 5 or 0 and 6. And to to have them come up here, um, play them in Ellensburg, the Windy City. Uh, to to just whoop them up like that was just amazing. Uh, so that's got to be up there. But just the whole season was great. Just to to go undefeated and to to get the guys to come together like we did, and to you know we finally had this was our fourth year with the new coach, and like all of the guys that we had together were guys that he brought in that had really bought into the culture that we've created here. And and uh, I'm just yeah excited for what's next for them. And uh, it was a bummer to get cut short, but. You know, we made history for, for the program, and it was good to leave in those terms, even though we're going to always have to live with the fact that, you know, we didn't get to live it out, but a lot of people didn't, and we just got to move forward. So so because it never happened, naturally, everybody's circling their calendars for St. Mary's Central next year, 2021. I mean, come on. You had, totally. them, in, you had them in your scope site. And they were nervous, yeah. but the season got called off, so we'll have oh, to wait. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were just a week. We had just got back from Army, and uh, we were already going to start getting ready for that St. Mary's game. And, uh, oh, yeah, it'll be the biggest one probably on the calendar for us. Um, we'll obviously, since we're independent and we make our schedule, our, our schedule tends to be a little bit more challenging, in my opinion, than most conferences. Uh, so we'll have BYU again. and. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to get Army out here again or if we'll end up doing a big East Coast trip. I haven't talked to Todd, but, uh, yeah, St. Mary's will definitely be. I think they're actually going to probably be coming up here unless we go down there again for, like, the third time. Um, but, yeah, that's going to be the biggest one of the season, I'm sure. So we're, we got your schedule up, and it's insane. You have massive numbers. Uh, the only close game was a squeaker out in Tucson. Johnny, do you see – Teams that usually put 60 or 70 on teams on a regular basis. Cole, this was absurd. Who was the best finisher? <laughs> You're saying, or just uh, on our team, like finisher-wise, or just like who was the best team that we face? Uh, no, on your team, you guys have insane scoring stats. I mean, somebody had to rake in serious tries this year. How many did you have? Oh, man. Not the brag. Uh, I, I, had, I had only played in four, and I had five tries. Okay. More than one a game, phenomenal. Yeah, John, if I have oh, that, pretty, average, yeah, pretty good average. <laughs> it's not bad. In the the three, I only played in three. We only had three D one A games, and I had uh, a double, a double, and then a single against Arizona. And uh, Jack Jack Wenling had the same, if not more. Um, I think he scored probably six or seven. Actually, I think he led the team in tries. So. Um, yeah, uh, our dynamic duo there with him at center and me at the wing just was pretty unstoppable. And overall, just our back line and, uh, as a whole was just so athletic. And a lot of teams, our size was pretty good, and a lot of people just couldn't hang. Um, and finally, we had a forward pack that could dominate. So it just helped our helped us have so much room, uh, and we were just flying past teams. So. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Jack, Jack. So, uh, obviously, uh, you know, hey, this is Tommy coming at you, by the way. Um, but, you know, obviously you're getting drafted most likely. And uh, so what's the team going to look like next year with Jack and, and all those guys? He's going to be a senior. 
Uh, yeah, I think they're going to be great. Uh, we did. They did lose uh, four of us seniors that have been there for four years and kind of been a part of the ups and downs. Uh, but I really, truly think that they just got such a good group that honestly, a lot of them have played early minutes from freshman year, sophomore year. And, you know, Jack was from his sophomore year moving on. And so now these guys are coming into their junior senior year with so much play against big teams you know the lower level teams in our area and so i think yeah a guy like jack um we've got lewis our fly half that's just gonna just absolutely destroy uh, our back line and then from kent uh, England. you know freshman aiden ladder who's gonna be a sophomore next year is just gonna be the you know the bulk of our four pack with just a lot of so much talent in our Lucy's too that are just so physical but yet strong they're a little like undersized but man they can hit um so I think just as a whole the culture and and just how hard these guys are willing to work that it'll just carry them through into the next year and I think there's like you can say this about any team but you know having our season get cut you know at eight no I think it's just going to drive them even more to to show that like we actually were good and that we're going to be good again. And it wasn't just a fluke. Yeah. I bet you'll get, get home for an alumni game or two if the schedule permits. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. So you register for the draft. Yep. Yeah. No, I write. Is that similar to just registering online to vote or what? (laughs) What's that? I said, is that similar to registering online to vote or is it uh, easier or harder? I think it's harder in a way, but yeah, like I said, I think I literally did it the day it came out. Um, obviously I was pretty juiced about it, but, um, the, the draft was, it was relatively easy to sign up. I mean, it was really basic, like height, weight, you know, you had to have a, a rugby highlight and you put like a rugby resume together. Um, I think they even asked about health insurance and some other little things, but overall it was sounds like Google like for a job. Yeah. So it wasn't, too bad. All right. What time of year was this? Uh, was the was the sign up? I think I did it, man. Probably two and a half months ago. So there probably was like at least two months ago. So there was like a whole pandemic going on and stuff. Do you like? Was there, was there gonna be like a uh, like a combine and stuff? Like, do you know anything not, about that? No, not that I know of. Um, but yeah, I definitely know I signed up before this pandemic stuff started. But that was. I did it pretty early and obviously it just the I think the you know the draft uh, like sign up ended just about three weeks ago so there was a decent amount of period there Um, but no I don't think there was gonna be a combine I think that the teams thought that they would see enough from what we submitted Uh, I know that I think some teams are having a little bit extra asking for a little extra you know whether it's just you filming yourself or um, or just asking for more like game footage instead of just highlights. And I think, uh, yeah, most coaches could figure out enough from what they saw with that. Obviously, seeing doing a combine would be great, and I think that's hopefully what the, you know, what the draft can go towards eventually. But I think right now they've got too much on their plate to have something like that. All right, top three teams. Where do you want to land? In order, just pie in the sky. Favorite cities, favorite uh, coaches, uh, what the teams are like. Okay, okay. Just chuck them out there. Throwing them out there. Man, I've loved loved my contacts that I've had uh, with Boston, the Free Jacks. I just 
from talking to my coach, talking to the um, some of the coaches there, I just know that what they got going on over there is awesome. And just to to have the chance to go experience the East Coast and you know to really just have a new adventure in life would be awesome to go over there. I think they're probably up there with my number one spot. Uh, I'd say two is is probably. It's just hard to say with this, like those Texas teams. I think Dallas or Austin would be a great landing spot for me. I'd love to go to Texas. You um, got to get a 40-gallon hat. Or is it a 50-gallon hat, John? Ten. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ten. That would be a mutant <laughs> head. <laughs> 40, 50. Yeah, exactly. Um, just, I don't know. I think it would be a decent spot for me. And then I think my third pick would just be something close to home. Uh, I think – landing somewhere in california or obviously seattle you know seattle is just so exciting because it's close to home close to you know i can not really much of my life changes when if i stay here but i also am kind of ready to leave and to have an adventure so leaving to to go somewhere wouldn't i wouldn't be against it for sure so those are probably the the top four there but after a quarantine i'm imagining you're like okay i like home but uh let me spread my wings when this thing calms down Exactly, yeah. Well, you know, you came and played with us uh, for the Barbos last summer. We had such a good time. Um, I got to say, like, considering you started the sport your freshman year, like, you came along really fast and made an impact on a men's club team. Um, What was it like jumping from college to a men's club environment and also potentially sharing a room with Jack-Jack in Tweak's house? (laughs) <laughs> oh man uh i mean i thought the the jump from yeah college to the, the men's club was uh it shocked me for sure and especially with the barbos like you guys got such a, a good thing going there man you're just so many good guys and usa eagles have come through there and, and just it was so fun to have pinky come through and cave on and and uh it's more just that you're you're with you're playing with men that are just in the peak of their life or maybe even on the outskirts but just that they understand the game so well and how to use their body and you know in college you're just still there's a lot of points where this year i was going against kids that were just in college 18 years old and my body was just at such a better place than theirs was uh so i think that was the biggest jump uh to to, you know men's club was just the the speed and the understanding that everyone had as a whole uh was definitely significantly higher um Oh, man, living with Jack, uh, with Tweak. I, I, I had a great summer. I loved doing it. Uh, you know, the only thing with Jack, I would love him to death. But, I mean, there's not really anyone you you can just throw your hand up and be like, hey, let's spend, you know, I think it was about 10 weeks together. Every day of every second, we did everything together. We went to rugby, we went to work. We slept in the same room on pads uh, in Tweak's house, which Tweak is amazing for letting us stay. And so it just kind of led to an interesting summer, but yet uh, I don't regret it at all. And it was really, really fun. And I totally recommend anyone to do it. So so you and Jack are still on speaking terms after that? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're on speaking terms. Uh, yeah, he would always joke like, oh, let's hang out. And I'd be like, well, uh, you know, I spent so much time with you that I feel like I still just need a little bit of a break. But um yeah once we were back at school you know he's you know we're a little bit of an age gap so that they know he had his group i still you know had mine but yeah we saw each other every day still so it was great and yeah definitely value our friendship and i i can't wait to watch him he is i think he's my top pick for you know this upcoming draft and i know i 
personally think he can the sky's the limit for him I, I don't see why he wouldn't be able to be a usa eagle honestly eventually the dude is just special when he gets on the rugby field so it's always good to hear yeah so you and tweak keep in touch what's that <laughs> so you got you guys keep in touch with tweak uh, i've not <laughs> once talked to him since i left don't worry he's the same old tweak yeah i figured hey cole <laughs> How are you going to balance building job skills as you try and train and be the best rugby player that you can be? Because obviously the shit comes to an end and not everybody's Dan Carter and can make millions. Not everybody's Dan Carter? Only Dan Carter's Dan Carter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's fair. That checks out. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a great question, and you know, it's it's so important too to think about stuff like that, just because obviously rugby's gonna—you never know how long it is, or you know, and I can know that I'm not gonna be able to play it forever, and that, you know, I gotta set myself up for a career. Uh, that's a, a really great question because that's something I'm considering right now as we move into the draft here. It's just like, you know, what is my contract gonna be? Am I gonna have to work? What kind of what kind of work do I want to do that's going to help set me up for a career? And, you know, I've been chasing rugby for so long or just perfect the professional, you know, life that, you know, I have kind of not really been totally sure what I want to do in life. And, you know, right now it's kind of like, Oh, I kind of want to be a firefighter. I kind of want to do something physical, but yet I got a ma I have a master's now in administration management kind of the business world. So I think as I, you know, move into this rugby, I'm just going to try to, you know, hopefully find a job or just continue to make connections or challenge myself, you know, whether it's reading books or whatever, just because I got to be ready for when, you know, my rugby career does end and I'm going to go out and get a job. And, you know, having, like we've talked about before, is just I got to have a resume that's all, like going to help me too, then rather than just saying that I was a professional rugby player and need, you know, they're going to love that, but you got to have something else too to, to show that you're going to be a good worker. All right. Favorite book or and or what you're reading right now oh man i'm actually <laughs> we're reading it for a class but i'm reading uh legacy by james kerr it's the book about the all blacks and it talks about the 15 lessons to like great leadership and you know james kerr's you know role and the whole point of the book was to find out what these like the most impressive sports team in the world have done to be successful yeah. uh, and it just goes through different lessons character building selflessness like you know responsibility and what it looks like in that their team setting but it also applies it to the business world and uh, i think it's really applicable to just anything in life and that's what the whole point was was like people may see it and the only thing is about rugby but it's it's about you it's like challenging you and your legacy not in it but it's just giving you it through the perspective of the best team in the world uh so i'm reading that right now i'm that's actually a, doing a book review on it that's what i'm working on before you guys called awesome so. that's wow. a great book recommendation every rugger yeah. should read this book who wants to be Definitely. in business um james kerr yeah man it's deep and it's a lot to think about and maybe one day if the rookie contracts aren't dog shit uh, we'll retire from Rugby Pick'em and we'll represent you and get you guys fair contracts for putting your bodies up to bat every single week. But for now, <laughs> it, it's kind of you get what they say they can give you. And I bet maybe the top three guys in this draft will make significantly more money than the rest, but it's going to be pretty slotted. And I think that that should change. I think that 
the players shouldn't be boxed in, but, you know, I've ranted on this before, and <laughs> I know that you just want to go out and play rugby. So I'm just fired up that you're getting ready to get drafted. You know it's going to happen, and we want to know what is your green room going to look like? How are you going to spend the night? Who are you going to share the moment with? Oh, yeah. So headed headed down to uh, Camus, Washington, the hometown. Uh, going to be, you know, just invited all my friends, family, uh, all my siblings. Uh, going to get us all together. I'm not sure if some people will not come because <laughs> obviously COVID. Uh, but I think uh, we'll get a good group together. Uh, old, you know, I've got still some old coaches that have just been huge parts of my life through through growing up and just have followed me as uh, my career has gone on and so i'm hoping that they'll be there and yeah we're just gonna probably i mean the stream i don't even know what streaming service is gonna be on yet but we're gonna throw it on our big screen and just you know I, i'm hoping that it's nice weather and we'll just enjoy a barbecue and you know see see where i land and regardless of what it is we're just gonna celebrate and live in the moment and yeah have fun together so i'm looking forward to it Drop some names. Who who are the coaches that made it happen for you? You know, we love sh- giving credit on this show. Um, you know, who brought you into the program? Who's the guy you referenced earlier that built Central up? Oh, it's, yeah, Todd Thornley. I mean, without him, I definitely would not be where I am today. He he took a risk on me. I mean, he saw me as a, a football crossover guy that had only played a little bit of sevens, my, you know, after my freshman year. And, you know, he took a risk on me and, and pretty much took me under his wing and, and said, trust the trust the system and trust me and trust the, all the guys that we have here. And, um, yeah, he pretty much I'm a product of his coaching. So and I think it's turned out pretty well. Um, and with that, yeah, again, without him, I would not be where I am. And- well, Cole, we're going to be popping bottles when it happens. Popping bottles when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> So when summer came, New Zealand was the only country getting ready to play rugby. We decided to bring in our Kiwi specialist, Mickey Bateman. And I put this in parentheses. I said, maybe counties Medical? Yeah, so that, that counties fans would either be Blues supporters or Chiefs supporters. But okay. if you look in the past, we've had like Frank Halli. Peter Arkey, all guys that have played for counties and represented the Blues fairly well. Frank Halai, shout out AGs. Yeah. We saw you got on that hot streak towards the end of the year. Uh, but let's hop into the fan base. Mickey, it seems like the Auckland Blues, and allow me to kind of create the picture of you right now. It's the this is our year type of fan. Every year you think it's going to be great. You're always disappointed in the long run. You're always full of excuses. Oh, mate, we had injuries. We had this and that, uh, but for the most part, since 2003, we know Taylor Howden's been a ride or die blues fan, but it's been tough. It's been tough sledding. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been super tough for blues fans, and I can definitely attest to being one of those guys at the start of every season, being like, "Fuck yeah, this is going to be the blues season," you know. Um, but for whatever reason, it hasn't really gone our way, and now we finally got some. Uh, some gas in the arsenal or some some new some tools. petrol yeah some new tools to play with in the blues franchise and we we might be laughing this year so in the past the blues are actually 3 and 0 in final games unfortunately they're kind of like the green bay packers in the sense that they opened up with the first and second uh, super rugby finals uh, crushing the shocks and the brumbies 
um, in 96 and 97, but they didn't really come back into rele- relevancy until 03 when they got that big win against the Crusaders. So you would say it's a perfect record in finals, but when you're a New Zealand rugby franchise and you don't make finals appearances, they've only had two semifinal appearances since 03. It's been woeful, mate. Yeah, it's been But woeful. let's hop into the yeah. hot roster that you have now. Um, we're going to break it down. For each team, we're going to do two stars, two pups, meaning a young, kind of low-capped player, brought to you by Fiona Hewitt, our cute puppy in studio that's currently napping at the feet of Johnny Fuego. Um, <laughs> but we're also going to do two randos. We're going to pepper Mickey with random players from the roster, and he is just such an encyclopedia of knowledge, he's going to spit up whatever he has on that player. Uh, Mix, do you want to give us a little background on where you played your high school rugby so we can understand all these connections? Sure, yeah. So um, I grew up in Auckland and went to King's College. And um, King's College was very, very fortunate enough to be surrounded by a bunch of uh, good players and uh, great coaches, which have obviously helped a bunch of these guys get through to you know play representative rugby and super rugby. So yeah, I played Auckland rugby, a few age group rep teams, played my first 15 rugby at King's College, and then uh, continued through with uh, college rugby at Lindenwood in America. Well, it's good to have you over in the States, but we want to hear about some of your past, some of the players you've interacted with. we got to start with two stars of this team. I mean, you don't need to have a deep New Zealand history to know the mega names that have signed with the Auckland Blues. For a while, Bowden Barrett was the biggest signing ever in Super Rugby New Zealand history. It was like, holy shit, we have this star for the Hurricanes who's going over the Blues. But that didn't last long because a more recent signing came in. It made it sound like it was old news. Dan Carter is now an Auckland Blue. Yeah, is, a, do you say blue in this no, singularity? Oh, uh, yeah, he is a blue. He's a single blue. He is a blue. But he's part of the blues. Yeah, yeah. Interesting move. Like, obviously, neither of those dudes are from Auckland. Um, so I think it's pretty smart in terms of generating a bit of uh, excitement around the team and their newfound success before either of them came in, you know, in, this, in the 2020 Super Rugby that was already played the Blues were near the top of the table and they hadn't had the help of Bodie or DC. So, so it's I like think, icing on the cake. Yeah. And I've got a little um, a little personal one about Bodie. I've met Bodie before. Um, we were at a, a Snoop Dogg concert and one of my best mates, Nick Ropati, was going out with a chick who uh, was best friends with Bowden Barrett's now wife. So we were watching Snoop Dogg concert and there was Bowden Barrett wearing his basketball singlet watching uh watching the show, enjoying the show right next to us. I mean a crack with old Snoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he gets into a bit of Snoop. Gun to your head, who do you start at ten right out the gate? I mean tomorrow I think, night tomorrow night's game. Yeah, so tomorrow night's game oh they got O'Terry Black starting at ten. Got Bodie at fifteen, which is quite easy because you think about like if you're Bodie, you come into a new situation, a new team, and you want to be a leader, but they've already had a successful season in 2020 without him. So putting him straight into 10 is a quite a crucial position. So yeah. I think sliding him into fullback is maybe a bit less pressure on him to be a complete, like leading the team around the field, but he'll be able to influence the team a lot from back there. And then maybe second half, we'll see him 
Stroll into 10 and take control like there he does. Go. Just cut a gap. Yeah. Find a prop just yeah. sitting there just on his like, heels. Yeah, just yeah. slice him open, you know. Rugby Pick'em Bio. Jordan Flash Gunderson. Uh, it was kind of funny. I was kind of taking a break from rugby at that time. I was just nonstop for five years straight, just uh, kind of trying to figure out my next step, you know. So I took a job traveling around the country working on conveyor belts. <laughs> and then my buddy was sending me Snapchats from a bar that I did not recognize. And I knew every bar in Columbus, or I thought. And I said, where are you at? And he said, I'm in Southern Pines. I said, where are you Southern Pines? And he said, North Carolina. And that was a Tuesday night phone call. And by Thursday night, I was in Southern Pines. I quit my job and I felt like I needed to go there and drink beers with my buddy. And it was like, uh, it was supposed to be like a short thing. I was supposed to go for like a month and just like hang out. I had like a bunch of money saved up. Just trying to like find myself, you know, I'm like 20, 21, 22 years old. Um, Ended up playing rugby down there and had a blast with a group of guys down there. I lived there for nine months. Um, great, great, great team. Probably the best team, like, culture that I've ever been a part of because the town was so small. It's like, five miles by five miles. Like, you'd be, like, picking up pine cones in your front yard and someone would text you, like, hey, what are you doing? Picking up pine cones and we'd have a party in your front yard 20 minutes later because the whole town would just be there. The they pull up in golf carts. Yeah, yeah everybody... <laughs> Pine I mean, cone party. There was three bar. Yeah, pine cone party. Dude. I mean, well, Tommy's. I feel like this yeah, interview Tommy, is going. There, yeah. is going. It's the same because Johnny's from Ohio. Experience yep. that. And Tommy's a North Carolina guy. I actually played with Flash for over the summer. Tell yeah. us, tell us a tale. I I moved to Southern Pines for a couple of months just to play for their sevens team. I I don't even remember. I had somebody like Trey Trey, Trey yeah. t- texted me like you roomed with Derek. Ellison. Shout out. Yeah. Yeah. I've been St. Mary's him. producing draft picks. Yeah. You see you out there, Gil. Dude, my buddy Tommy that he played out there. He's down in ATL playing too. A lot of boys from that seventy. Yeah. Um the Walsh, Wallace. Tom, yeah, Tommy Wallace. Thomas yeah. Wallace. Yeah. yeah, those were that yeah. was like the crew who came in for the summer. It was like me, Derek, yeah. Tommy, and but Tommy like left to he went to Australia. Yeah, he took out her. He's dude, that kid's so smart. Funny guy. So but what was it like playing with Flash? It was a lot of fun. I mean, I just remember like seeing him fly up in the lineouts and then taking it right off the lineout, scoring <laughs> and just being like, What the hell is going on? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, exactly. Whole, you let like, your lifters know, be like, let go of me. I don't know. They, know. <laughs> and they knew they they probably tell on me. We had a solid little yeah, seven a solid squad. squad. It's cool. It's fun. In a year with no rugby, when the schedule gets dropped, gives you something to talk about. We did an entire episode of the MLR being back-ish, but here is our way too early 2021 pick'em. You can't have too long of a playoff. Like they could be argued to have a longer play, but there's not enough teams to justify, you know, having more than half of the league in a, yeah. in a playoff situation. So, um, so yeah, I like I like the setup. Let's do our West Conference picks first, Tommy. All right. My gut tells me that we should <laughs> follow the Twitter beef. And go with Legion Seawolves. That's what I mean. You can't really pick anybody else just based off 
the signings, you might want to go with the the Legion. However, Stephen A. However, right however. there. However, <laughs> I'm going with terrible the Gilgronies and the Giltinis. I really, I don't know why I'm putting this blind faith in Gilchrist. They've barely even announced any player signings for the Giltinis. I just think he's going to create that Australian pipeline. I think those teams are going to be good. Johnny, I don't know why. Um, I, Austin has real pieces now. Um, Frank Halai is an all-black, and he's coming back. Jamie McIntosh, the WAPA, all-black. You're Stop. welcome. Um, either way, I love... A lot of talk. Let's see what uh, let's see what shows up. I mean, there was, there was talk of L.A. signing Matt Gitto, and, and he said... Gets out of town. He said, get... Out of town, no. you know. He said straight up, "Yeah, maybe my agent knows something I don't, but nah, nah, yeah, nah, bro." That was that was coy, though. If I was signing with the Giltinis, I'd say the same thing. I mean, I can see Gitto <laughs> in I LA, mean, but yeah. like you know, we'll see. I mean, yeah. it'd be great, honestly. Like, it, I'd love to see uh, these players that are later in their career who are just absolute world class players. Come over and, and make an impact. We saw that with Ma Nanu, who, who, unlike some of them, who kind of diet, phone it in and they're. Oh yeah, let's pour one out. Quick, quick little segment to all of our one and duns. Uh, pour one out for Ma Nanu, one and done. Sure. Pour, pour one out for Monsieur Bastero, one and done. Oh my God. Uh, pour one out for Tendai and Tawarira, one and done. DC. <laughs> Do we have any others? Hopefully not. Holiday. Who's the uh, New England uh, hooker? Celebrate. Never mind. Oh, Tommy, Japanese guy. Don't bring up my college experience. <laughs> Anyhow, on to your Western Conference picks, Tommy. My Western Conference? Yeah. it's uh, You know, it, it's hard to say with the, the Giltinis. They could be really good, but you ha- the safe pick is San Diego and Seattle. He's going with Twitter beef. Yeah, yeah everybody for the win, especially when you got so much uncertainty coming into the league. Consistency is going to be the key with San Diego and Seattle. Like I, I think that's solid. There you go. Uh, Let's shift to the East, Johnny. Yeah, I, I want to like Atlanta. I really do. Uh, I don't know if they have what it takes to go the distance. Um, I'm seeing a lot of South African signings down there. Yeah, has that always just been been a thing with life, like? They, oh, for sure. They feed their program with Safas. Dude, they've they've had a Safa connection since the early aughts. Talking about early aughts as in the 2000s. <laughs> yeah, I played against them for a couple decades. And they always had a very strong connection there. And then with some of their ownership being uh, having some South African connections, I think that's good. But, John, um, I, I'll, I'll add to that. Harpo tells us about the culture they're building down there. Yeah. And we've certainly heard about their facilities they've been putting together. Uh, but our guy Missile, he's loving life down in Atlanta. He's going to be playing with 404 and, and life. John, do you like Atlanta to make the conference final? I'm just taking a flyer on Atlanta because I like I want to like them. You know, that's, a, that's an emotional pick. And then Toronto, the arrows, straight as. <laughs> if there was an yeah, Eastern yeah. Conference team to claim 2020 champions and be shut down by Peter Tiberio, it would have been Toronto. Toronto. Because they were on a good run until our Colorado Raptors put them down right before the season got canceled. Let's not forget that the uh, the Raptors were the hottest team when they withdrew. So technically, Tommy, the hottest team in the MLR right now is the Colorado Raptors. 
Right now, or was? In perpetuity. They'll always be the hottest team. <laughs> they beat the undefeated Arrows, and we're on a two-game run. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting take. In the East, I like New York. They're too sexy not to pick. The hottest team. I'm sorry, I'm going back to this, but the hottest team is on a two-game run. <laughs> They'll, they'll forever be on a two-game run. <laughs> All right. My, Mayor Mike can take that branding uh, and run with it. The hottest team to ever withdraw from the MLR. <laughs> uh, Tommy, I like New York. They're, they're just too damn sexy, oh, top to too. bottom. Big props, big, meaty, hunking Lucy's uh, and some talented backs and back three. Connor Wallace Sims is back. Solid. One of the highest try scorers in MLR history. Uh, he had an okay year one, even better year two. No, I got that wrong. Rooney came in year two. So we'll see where they go. Um, a lot of interesting, exciting players, but I, like I still it. love the passion of that ownership group, and yep. we'll see where they go. Now, my other pick. East still has a lot of those expansion teams, a lot of teams we haven't seen expansion a whole lot. Expansion well, teams? It's it, a brand new league. What are you talking about? <laughs> the whole league has expanded from nowhere. I'm trusting... <laughs> Like the big man. <laughs> I'm trusting Nola Gold and Tim Falcon's outfit to actually get it done and get to the playoffs this year. I like it. They were close in year two, but they've done what I consider the right way to build a franchise is you give players stability. He awards two to three year contracts. A lot of these rugby guys are just going one off deals. It's not easy to relocate your team, get your life together when you're always looking at the next greenest hill of grass. I don't know what the hell they say, Tommy. But, uh... <laughs> I think it's a grassy knoll. It's a knoll. Hey. It's okay. It's a knoll. Don't talk shit about Dallas. <laughs> but, Tommy, give me Rooney. Give me NOLA. I just love these I like acronyms. That. I think that's our Eastern Conference final. I like it. So, I like, I like Rooney and I like DC because, you know, Rooney just looks good, but DC is like, they were on a roll last year. They have some solid players. I don't know. Starting to get Atlanta. It. Atlanta could also be really good, but I, I think DC will be in the number two seed. An informed team. They, uh, I think they lost half of their halfback pairing. I could be wrong. Oh, Jason Robertson is headed somewhere. Else. Oh no, sorry, that was Sammy Malcolm for Toronto is headed to play in Japan. Uh. Um, and I, I think Old Glory will get their pairing back between Danny Tusitala, Johnny. He's been playing some ITM Cup for Auckland. Oi, mate! How good. So good. Quick uh, Southern Hemisphere update before we go on to our finals picks. Johnny, we've been watching a ton of Super Rugby Aotearoa, of Mitre 10 Cup. What do you love so much about this style of play down south? Dude, the Mitre 10 is such a solid comp because all these guys are getting off either being selected to the All Blacks, a lot of new selections there, which is great to see the youth infusion. Or not getting selected and having a different type of motivation. And, man, it's just spicy. I mean, could use a little bit more defense, but it, it is such an entertaining <laughs> brand of rugby. They're, the offloads are just on for days. A lot of MLR players. Shout out to uh, Tony Lamborn and Eagle. He's the captain of the Southland Stags. Uh, but it's just so good to see, even if they're not Americans, if they're guys that already took a risk on MLR and now are like, okay, COVID's happening. The only place I can find work is Mitre 10 Cup. Get me down to New Zealand to quarantine. Like, I love that attitude. 
any rugby player that's found his way onto the field in arguably the most competitive setting of all time, like everyone wants to play right now. These squads are not easy to make. Um, and, so, you, and you got so much uh, like mixing of different players playing for their representative clubs, like for, playing for their areas, right? Yeah. Like you got the Aaron Smiths of the world who has gone on arguably the best scrum half in the world for quite a while, or that's what people tend to say. He He's playing for the Turbos, man, with two Turbos, and he's like, you know, they're, they're not the best outfit, but he's doing work, and it's yeah. good to see that mixture of, of veteran players and new up-and-comers and, and really playing for their, you know, provincial areas. Some guys who would typically get their breakthrough and get time now while the All Blacks, you know, were off in camp, yeah, uh, they're getting pushed down, but it is what it is. If your best players in the world want to stay fit, you bet your ass Aaron Smith's getting selected for Manawatu or the Barrett brothers are getting selected for Taranaki. It's just how it works. I'm sorry if you're an up-and-coming 10 yeah. for the Taranaki Bulls. You're not starting over it's, Bowden Barrett. It's some great good footy, mate. Rugby. And, John, quick uh, Super Rugby AU, the uh, the Brumbies, mate. Brumbies beat the Reds. Uh, interesting comp. There was some good flashes. I really like what the Reds showed because um, we're going to see the Wallabies soon in the rugby championship. A couple names. Obviously, you all know James O'Connor. Yeah. He appears to now have, like, arrived as a mature fly half that can yeah. thread kicks and play well. Big but, story there and of his, of his, you know, fall from grace, re, you know, finding himself again, and he's really informed. Also, Jordan Pattaya. Oh, mate. And there's this other big uh, number eight for the Reds. I don't even think he plays like super skilled. He's just like a hard runner. Harry Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. He wears the Red Scrum cap. So. Sorry, what? No, not Harry Johnson. Harry Wilson. Get your head out of the gutter. <laughs> but yeah, we're very, we're very excited for the Southern Hemisphere Rugby to come. Gentlemen, on to our championship picks. We're running long the way Harpo loves it. In my Western Conference Finals, I think the Gilgronies will see their way through LA's soft team. Give me the Gilgronies. soft team. Well, I think the Giltinis will, you know, it's going to be that get to camp last minute, no real team bonding, everybody's doing their own thing in LA. You know how hard it is to, to get an Uber in LA. They're never going to hang out. They're not going to be a tight-knit unit, so even though they're going to make the Western Conference Finals in my way-too-early picks. Uh, give me Gil Gronies over Giltinis. Give me Rooney over Nola. And give me Rooney over Gil Gronies. I'm not going to go that crazy. I think Rooney has been building towards something. Uh, they've been edging, as one would say. You know what I'm talking about, Tommy. So I, I got Rooney to win this thing. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I, I also like – are we – this is September. Yeah, no, this is our way too early. Picks. August championship, August first, twenty twenty one. Here's your hot take prediction. No idea. Eleven months from now, John. As I recall, you had Atlanta and Toronto. Toronto. I'd love to see Toronto uh, win it all, but I just I think they're extremely well disciplined and fundamental, but they won't have the spice that some of these other teams are going to bring. All right, he's taking Atlanta then. And your Western Conference game. Oh, that was uh, Twitter beef. Who you got? Hot. Seawolves or 
Legion. I think Sea Wolves go again. Oh, screw it, man! I love let's, it. Let's let's build a dynasty here. Three feet. All right, let's he's got Sea Wolves going three for well three for four, but no one got crowned. We're all good. Tommy, give us your way too all early right. picks. Your nine months was it? Twelve months too early picks. Rooney will beat DC in the East. San Diego beat Seattle in the West, and then Rooney will beat San Diego. All right. We got two guys bullish on Rooney. Yeah. <sighs> Gentlemen, this was fun. H-A-R-P-O. Harpo, ladies and gentlemen. Not your mama's rugby pundit. He made an appearance in Denver in late October, and we were lucky enough to have him in studio. But what's happened to the rugby world, Harpo? USA is bankrupt. You have spoken truth about this many times about their ineptitude. I don't want to put you on a negative hole right now, but do you think the bankruptcy was actually a good thing? Like, you know how they say you got to bottom out to, to get come, back up? Why? I just don't understand why nobody ever called out Nigel Melville. He was a, the guy was an English spy. He was over here in America to hold back Benedict Arnold. Oh, He's yeah. the Benedict Arnold of, of England. He he held back rugby in America for ten years. Did absolutely nothing for youth rugby. He helped himself out. Mm. That's for sure. The How come, why hasn't he ever been called out? I'm with you. I think he fled. He made a deal like, with Doug Schoeninger. Assange back to. Yeah. <laughs> He's hiding in what is it? The uh, the embassy in, in like the Venezuelan embassy in London. <laughs> Hanging out with Snowden. Yeah, and now rugby in America. We need to start. We need to start from the very beginning again. Just like back in the seventies when we played for the fun and love of the sport. So and like you guys, you guys play for the love and the sport. You're, you're amateurs. It's rugby will never be anything more than a niche sport in America. Okay, but can we grow the niche to supply a small professional market? Guru man got it right. You introduce rugby to America through sevens. You teach the kids how to play. You teach the parents how to watch, and they grow up. Well, I think the USA was RFU was supposed to do that. Like five, six years ago, what happened to the barn burning across America with sevens? A uh, different city every every weekend just uh, promoting sevens and, and the sport of rugby. Uh, and But no, Nigel Melville was too busy lining his own damn pockets so he can go fly first class to the World Cups and go rub elbows with his cronies. <laughs> so like, how do we make like a youth rugby how do we get people involved how do we make it exciting and fun as well as safe what are like kind of the key ingredients there to wrap it all up logan collins agreed to do a podcast that was near and dear to my heart how you can help the rugby community now that we are unfortunately in tough times we don't know when the club scene is going to return in 2021 so it's up to you to do everything you can to help when the time comes. Here's Logan Collins. Like we were talking about before, and I guess maybe like I was saying before, I was talking so much about what I see out of a perfect rugby coach. And if you can somehow have these decades of experience behind you um, playing, actually being involved in the rugby world, what that can really do and for your ability to offer a good product onto other players. But you're absolutely right just to have that passion 
that passion, that willingness to go out and be involved in the club, you don't need decades of experience for that. You can do it with a handful of years experience, but just your willingness to stay involved, um, that's huge. And, and what, do I, what do I think you actually need to be effective at that role? Absolutely. I think you really need to be able to connect with players at whatever level you're, you're talking about. If we're talking college players, what they're going to be interested in is going to be so much different than that of a, a men's, you know, I guess the, the life events going on in that of a men's or women's club um, player. Um, you know, same thing with high school. Trying to recruit high school players in order to, to get involved. Walking through puberty. Oh, for sure. Um, and like you said, maybe short attention spans. Maybe they haven't quite figured out what it looks like to work hard. Um, maybe they haven't had something that really pushed them to the amount of effort and really kind of helped realize their character as much as rugby might do for them. I know personally for me, at no point had I ever really been pushed and pushed hard than to some of these rugby experiences I've had over the years. And that's nothing but you know a, um, something that encourages you as an individual. Start to realize who you are, what you can do, the, the dark places you're willing to go to. Um, so if you're somebody who can really help facilitate that as a coach, that's going to, I mean, you can spread that to you know hundreds of people that follow you. It really does take years off your life if you truly throw yourself into a program and, like, all the players have your number. Yeah. And it's basically like adopting 40 sons or daughters. But the hardest decisions you'll make, whether it be, like, player discipline, right? Somebody stepped out of line. What's the appropriate way to, like, clamp down on them with still being reasonable? Um to just honestly picking a 23-man lineup from a group of 40 players that are extremely close in skill and stature. Question for you. Either in high school or in the college coaching you've done, have you had a player approach you about potentially not making a roster or just maybe their concerns about where they're at in the depth chart? And how did that conversation go? How do you think is the right way to handle that? Transparency is the word for how to handle it. Because when you let a player know exactly where they stand with you, they can go one of two ways. They can tuck their tail between their legs if they don't like the news and and be Mm -hmm. fucked about it. Or they can work harder to take the information you gave them and, and turn that into a positive for them. So for kids who I have to have that conversation of, hey... You worked hard this week, but you're not going to make the 23-man roster. I'm very, very straightforward with why they didn't make it and how they can overcome that. And there are some fucking hard-ass kids that come at me every week. All right, coach, here's what I put in. You know, what's the immediate feedback? And sometimes the answer is the same exact one I gave you last week. And to be fucking patient. (laughs) But I respect players that take the feedback I give them and immediately put it to work. Because it's those that aren't willing to listen and think that I'm wrong, right? Think that I just got it wrong. Be like, oh, well, that coach doesn't know what he's fucking talking about. He didn't pick me. You know, that's the most close-minded attitude you can have. That's the easiest way to send yourself down this path of F the world and and everybody's out to get me. Like, the really open-minded kids are the ones that get benched in college when they've been nothing but a high school starter their whole time and instead of dwelling on it figure out how to be better and I'll even tell the studs of my team what their weaknesses are and and at some point they'll be like oh coach why are you riding me this hard like I'm clearly the best player on the team but I expect so much more out of you if you are the best player and I'll, I'll give you a million reasons why you're not ready for the next level and how to get there be transparent be honest with these kids and uh 
I wrote this here in the blog, coaches always end up becoming mentors because it just means something to a young athlete. That's it. What a year. Thank you to all the fans who listen to this show. Call the voicemail line. Get on our show next year. We cannot wait for the MLR season to be back. See you next year. Peg them. Let's start off with the coach. I mean, how bad is that accent, guys? Oh, gosh. So, yeah, I played Auckland rugby, a few age group rep teams, played my first 15 rugby at King's College, and then uh, continued through with uh, college rugby at Lindenwood in America. Youth rugby, how do we get people involved? How do we make it exciting and fun as well as safe? You know, you know, you know, make me eat my words, Evan Geist. You know, I had to study up a little bit, but oh, you, you had to study to memorize it. Ten digits. Ten digits. Uh, seven, seven or ten. Yeah. No, ten. So, uh, obviously, uh, you know, hey, this is Tommy coming at you, by the way. Um, but, you know, obviously you're getting drafted, most likely, and... Uh... Golden rain, golden rain. <laughs> Yeah, I know personally for me, at no point had I ever really been pushed and pushed hard than to some of these rugby experiences I've had over the years. And that's nothing but, you know, a, um, something that encourages you as an individual. Start to realize who you are, what you can do, the, the dark places you're willing to go to. Honestly, if there's not someone nearby, always, you know, start a club yourself. Know your role.